We are so excited for you to be joining us. My name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope, and uh, this is the last of our series of talks called Making Moves. How many of you guys been enjoying this Making Moves series so far? Come on, we're making moves. We've talked about all sorts of moves, make, making moves in the marketplace, making moves. Last week, we talked about dad moves, and I hope that that encouraged you. And pioneering, if you've never had a father, it's a good time to pioneer. If you've had a great dad, it's time to pioneer and make dad moves. Today, we're wrapping up this whole seven-week series with a talk called Mature Moves. Everybody say it with me. Mature Moves. And honestly, I wish I could just talk for two or three more weeks on just this one topic of inheritance and making mature moves. But we're going to get after it. And next week, we can't wait. We're starting a brand new series called Chomp, okay? It looks like Shark Week. It's really exciting. We're going to talk about, you know, wherever your appetite goes, that's where your actions go. And actions follow appetite. And we're going to talk about what are we hungry for? What are we chomping on in life? And I encourage you, it's a great summer series. It's going to be so much fun through our camps. Anybody excited about dance camp? Nerf camp? Really excited to relate Jesus to kids this summer. We know we have so many people. So uh, last time we did dance camp was two years ago. I think we had over a thousand people for our final finale. If you want to be a part of that, we'd love to just pack the place out two times, two or three times with kids dancing and experiencing God with us. So we're really excited about what this summer holds. That's just a couple weeks away. Next weekend, I want to see you. It's the 4th of July weekend. We're talking about freedom. Come on, we cannot wait for you to be here next weekend. It's got so many things happening this summer. How many guys love the summer? School's out for the summer, right? I, I love that song. I also like summertime and the living's easy on the, with the, and the, uh-uh, yeah. I love that song, summertime and the living's easy. You guys ready? You know, it's easy to follow Jesus. Did you know that? He actually came to earth to make it really easy to connect to his father. Well, it's hard. You got to pick up your cross. It's really tough. Just be really grinded out with Jesus. I, I don't think that's, I think it's a joy-filled walk with Jesus. And I think picking up your cross is almost on accident. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, I left everything and followed you too. He's like, yeah, you're amazing, Peter. You didn't even know it. You didn't even recognize it for like six months. You were following me on accident. It's so easy to be disciplined and connect to Jesus. If he's the best thing that ever happened to you, is it hard to eat your favorite ice cream? I mean, is it hard to taste and see that the Lord is that good? I, I preach him before I preach. I mean, is it hard to follow Jesus? Absolutely not. Easiest, best decision of my life. And I can't wait for you to taste and see his goodness today. All right, we're going to get started today in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Every week we turn to the Bible. We believe in the Bible. And uh, we can't wait to see it hit you right where you're at today. It says this. Now I say that the heir, ever say heir. H-E-I-R, okay? Not the hair, but the heir. As long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Hmm. Well, those are some pretty big moves, right? Child to slave. Whoa. Though he's master of all, he does not differ from a slave. I say that the heir, somebody say heir with me. Heir, heir is the root word of inheritance. Inheritance. Okay? Inheritance. Heir is the root word of inheritance. So in other words, we as born-again believers, we have an inheritance from our father. We are his sons and daughters, and he is our father in heaven. And he has an inheritance for us. Inheritance is different than an a harvest, okay? Harvest, heir, inheritance, okay? An inheritance is different from a harvest. A harvest is a result of something that you've done. You got to sow a seed. You got to wait some time. Got to nurture the seed, and then up comes some fruit, right? And inheritance is not like that. Inheritance is different. There's an action, there's a reward for, for a harvest, right? There's a word that you spoke, you sowed a word, and you reap a harvest. There's a decision you make, you make a good decision, you reap a good harvest, right? There's an offering that you gave, you, you give generously, generosity comes back to you. And then there's a harvest that becomes out of our actions. They're great. So we know there's seed, time, and harvest that's cyclical. Harvest does not come to stay. Harvest is perpetual seed planted in order to keep a perpetual harvest coming in. Are you catching what I'm saying? So in order to get a harvest, you got to continue to sow good seeds and you have to continue to reap good harvest because harvest is a result of something I do. It's an action I take, a word I speak. We talked about seed time and harvest and understand how that works, hopefully, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about an inheritance from our father, an inheritance. Inheritance has nothing to do 
with what you do. You could be the best kid, the worst kid. Inheritance has nothing to do with how you behave. I mean, some, but it's just an inheritance. It's, it's a sonship thing. It's a daughtership thing. It has to do with who your father is, who your dad is. It has to do with who your family is and what crest you belong to, what creed you live by, what family you have, right? It has to do with a prearranged blessing. This is what inheritance is. A prearranged blessing to be released at a specific time of maturity. An inheritance is a prearranged blessing to be released at a specific time of maturity. And it has more to do with who your father is and what he has for you than it has to do with who you are and what you have for him. Your inheritance is not about you. It's about your dad. It's about your father. It's about your parents, right? And they have an inheritance. It's for you, but it's not yours. It's for you, but you didn't work for it, earn it, or do anything to get the favor of God on your life. It's just because you are his son. You receive an inheritance. It's the favor. Unmerited, undeserved goodness of God poured out on your life. Okay, which is different from a harvest. So the Bible says, I have an inheritance. As a believer, you have... An inheritance. My father has a prearranged blessing that he wants me to walk in, not in just heaven, but here on earth. A prearranged blessing. It's contractual, actually. If you write up a contract, you write up a will, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. When do you get it? When I die or when you reach an age of maturity. And that prearranged blessing has been marked for a specific time, the Bible's saying, of maturity. So the truth is, I can have a great inheritance coming to me. I can have like the richest dad in the world. But while I'm still in an immature state, I do not have access to the power to possess that reality. My reality doesn't look <laughs> like what's coming to me. It's mine positionally, but because of my immature condition, I can't get my hands on it. I can't get my reality to wrap around it. And this is where people look at believers and they're like, yeah, God is blessing me. God is amazing. And you're bankrupt and you can't pay your bills. It's like, it's there. It's real. The promises of God are yes and amen, but you're not living in the fullness of your inheritance. And it looks like bipolar Christianity. Correct? It's like, yeah, uh, Jesus has changed all my relationships. He's changing me. He's bringing me to fullness of life. And yet I hate my spouse. It's like, oh, there's an inheritance there of life and relationally to the fullest. You know what I'm saying? And yet, your reality hasn't caught up to your condition, doesn't match your position in Christ. The Bible says that an heir, as long as he or, he or she is a child, there are two words for the word child in the Bible. There's the word weos, and then there's the word nepios. This is the word nepios that he's using, which means the heir, as long as he is an underdeveloped or immature son underdeveloped or immature, does not differ from a slave, even though he is master of all. So in other words, if you're supposed to get your inheritance at age 30, at age 29, you could be living under a bridge. You'd be living out on the street. Even though your dad might be Bill Gates and you got billions of dollars coming at age 30, you're still in a different reality because you have not received that inheritance. Are you catching me? You got you got so much going for you, you just don't have it. And what's the blocker? Immaturity. So in reality, the entire fortune, it belongs to you. There's nothing wrong with your father's money. Some people get mad at God and say, well, it doesn't work for me. There's nothing wrong with your dad's, in, with your dad's uh, money. There's nothing wrong with your dad's promises. His promises have always been yes and amen concerning you. There's nothing wrong with your father's motives. He actually has really good motives, and he's looking for an excuse to get blessing to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to see you prosper. He wants to give you good success. He actually wants you to win in life and to reign in life. He calls us to be more than conquerors, reign in this life. He actually has good things in store for you. Storehouses laden, the Bible says, just waiting for an excuse to pour out blessing on you so much more that you can't even receive it all. He's got good inheritance. He's good at being God. There's nothing wrong with your father's motives. There's nothing wrong with your father's money. The only difference between that reality and your current reality is your maturity. And until you reach the place of maturity, you cannot possess what he has for you. Well, in the kingdom, I got good news for you. Maturity is not chronological years. It's not notches and pews. Like, I've been here, and my, my belt is full of notches. I've been in church since I was 1975. It's not maturity. 
I've been faithfully coming to church for over 27 years. That's not maturity. I know all the verses in the Bible. That's not maturity. I do Bible studies. That's not maturity. I go deep in the word. It's not maturity. I know everything there is to know about theology. Not maturity. These are the things that are earmarkers for our spiritual authority according to the word of God. How to shift your limited thinking. The way you think is a sign of maturity. I'm going to get to these in a second. How you speak to people, how you speak words of life only, that's a sign of maturity and reach inheritance. How you see the right things. It's not just about being a positive person, but it's about seeing God work in things. You have a perspective that's healthy, that's a sign of maturity. We're just making this up because you're a positive person. No, 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 no. This is the reality in serving God according to his word. I'm going to show you in just a minute. How you view, th view things with the right perspective and practice the principles that you hear. He's like, James is like, you, you, you hear all these things. You do nothing. A sign of maturity is that you practice the preaching that you hear. You practice the principles that you listen to. And the Bible says, until these things are developed... I have an inheritance. It's a prearranged blessing from my awesome father who's loaded, but I must come out of my immature state. He's loaded relationally. He's loaded physically with healing. He's loaded uh, uh, financially. I mean, he is loaded, but I must come out of my immature state, my immature Christian lifestyle, which leaves me broke, busted, and disgusted, even though I have a rich inheritance. And I've got to grow up in God. I've got to grow up in him. If I'm going to possess the blessing that God has already prearranged for me, i got to grow up. I must mature. I better say mature moves. Mature moves. Somebody shout, I'm ready. Come on. The truth is you can be 65 and stuck on the street, stunted in your maturity. Meanwhile, a 26-year-old is walking in a great level of maturity. Why? That's not fair. How did they get? It's like it works for them, but it doesn't work for me because they have sucked every lesson out of every season in their life for God to do something rich in their life. There's an inheritance, and they're walking in the promises of God because they take him at his word, and they move. They make moves on what he says. Verse 2, but it is under, okay, so we went through the first verse, but it is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. It is under guardians and stewards. So because I'm a nephios, an underdeveloped child, an underdeveloped son, an underdeveloped daughter, I am under the guardians and stewards until the time appointed by my Father for them to release the inheritance to me. That means God will put voices in your life for your development before he will release his blessing. Meaning that your inheritance is literally locked up in other people. Guardians and stewards. So this question becomes really, really, really important. Who do you follow? Who are you following? Who are you accountable to? Who do you say, I will do what you say, even if I disagree. Who comes after you and says, I, we talked about this, you haven't done it, here's some accountability time. Do it. <laughs> I'm not just talking about in the Christian world. Who are you under in the marketplace? Who are you learning from in your everyday life? Whose wisdom, whose advice are you actually making, making a move on? Whose advice are you actually taking? Well, you know, my grandma, she's always talking to me about my marriage, what my husband needs to do. Well, how's your grandma's marriage? Well, my dad, he taught me how to be a dad. And you know, he said some nice things last week, but I really know how to do this. Well, well, how, what's the fruit like? Are you miserable, man? You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't need to do all those things. Don't buy it if it's broken. <laughs> don't sell it if it don't work. I'm glad your grandma has an opinion, but, but why would you listen to somebody who's failed? Do you have a voice speaking into your life at all that you would say, that's my guardian, that's my steward? Who, will you listen to anybody? Who do you listen to? Who are the guardians of your galaxy? Who are the stewards of your success? Who stewards and manages your success? This person or these people, they're not your friends. They're not your buddy. There's no confusion. You're not like at the same level. They are your steward. They're in charge. 
They ask you the hard questions to get to the heart of the matter underneath all the hocus pocus. They anchor you to your character and say, that's not integral. This is integral. They go after your core values. They get to the why, the motives of your heart. They're not moved by your emotions. We don't understand. I have this excuse, this excuse. They're not moved by your excuses. They're not impressed with your influence. Wow, you got so many people listening to you. So many people helping. No, when you have a guardian and a steward like that, they're not impressed by all your accolades or your influence. It develops you and it gets you ready for your inheritance. Where they literally will cut things off and address things and hold you accountable for things. And it's not friendly. It's perfectly, uh, perfectly pointed. Gets right to the heart of it. Who do, you, who do you listen to? And when you listen and follow through with their instruction, you expand, you increase, and begin to step into a greater level of living, an inheritance that God has laid up for you and locked up for you in those guardians and those stewards. Now, how does the Bible define immaturity? So that's really important. First question, who am I listening to? Who are the guardians of my galaxy, the stewards of my success? And number two, how does God define maturity? If it's immaturity that's holding me back, and it's guardians that are unlocking me, how do I get to listening to the right people and actually going for a mature state according to the word of God? Let's look at what mature, immaturity is as God defines it in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. I told you I'd come back to this. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, this is when he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. These are factors, determining factors for maturity. The way you speak matters. I'll say whatever I want. I call it like it is. Stop it. That's immature. I say whatever I feel. I'm a real person. I keep it real. 100, 100. You can't handle the heat. You know what? I can handle the heat. You're just talking like a baby. Can you handle the heat? I say it like it is. Stop it. Control your mouth. Control your tongues. Choose your words. Be intentional with your words. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. So I can hear from your language where you're at in your heart. Out of your heart, your mouth speaks. And if you're immature in here, you're going to be immature out here. I understood as a child. So number one, how you speak. Number two, how you understand. I can learn where you're at from the perspective that you have. I can learn from your perspective where you're currently at. And I thought as a child. Number three, I think like a child. But when I became a man, Paul said, I put away childish things. Because I'm ready to mature because kids don't receive inheritances. Stewards and guardians unlock them, and I receive them, and I walk in them when I'm mature. Childness is defined as a way of speaking, a way of thinking, and a way of perceiving according to God's word. Well, I thought it was my Bible study. It's not. It's the way you speak about yourself, about others, about God. It's the way you think about yourself, about others, about God. It's the way you perceive the whole world about others, yourself, and God. I want to tell you, if you're a victim in every part of your life, you're stuck in immaturity. And that inheritance, it might be right there, ready and ripe for you, but if you're a victim, you will never get it. Everybody's out to get me. Poor, pitiful me. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. They're after me. They're after my character. They're coming after my work. I can't make a difference in anybody's life. You're not ready for an inheritance. Those are your confessions. I'm not ready. Stop saying that. You're locked in a state of infancy. And where there's infancy, there's no inheritance. You cannot possess with a broken thought process. My process has to meet my possession. If you think thoughts all the time of entitlement, victimization, everybody owes me, not understanding that God will reward you for your diligence, not somebody else's diligence... You will be stuck in a perpetual state of infancy, immaturity, and inability to receive what God has for you. Until you get that, you're locked. You're locked up. I can hear somebody talk and tell where they're at within moments. I don't have to know them. I just have to, have to listen to them either whine or win with their words. You know exactly where they're at. Listen to me explain. If, if I hear somebody explain what happens, I know exactly what, where they're at. The way they tell stories. Listen to them or her or him or her tell a story. Just by listening, you can hear where they're locked up. What bothers you points to your maturity. 
I can't believe they said that about me. Would you believe it? This is what they said about me. I can't believe. And you're sad for two years because of what one out of seven billion people on the planet said about you. I hate those odds. You should too. Don't let it bother you so much. There's seven billion other persons that could say something different. (laughs) Persons. Come on. Since when does one person affect God's purpose for my life? Since when does one person's opinion mess with my whole destiny? Why are you letting it bother you? It's been two years, man. Your heavenly father did not consult your Facebook followers to see if you could obey him. I'm not worried about what they say. You would never believe the comment. Are you kidding me? You, want, you should Comments. Comments. You go ahead and follow through with what your father has asked and appointed you to do. He has given you a way to unlock an inheritance. You follow through from him. Regardless of who says what about you, what do you let bother you? This is a sign of maturity. What are you still letting hold you back? I mean, you haven't been in that environment for 10 years. You haven't been abused verbally or literally for 10 years. They've been dead for 20 years. You know, the person that hurts you so bad, they've been dead for 10 years, and yet still they control the way you relate and think about people to this moment. I mean, you grew up, you got out of their house, and they're still in control of the way you perceive the world. How long are you going to let that one man touch in your hiney? mess with you and your whole identity around what men are and how miserable you've lived with every man since. Quit it. Mature. Grow up. Don't see the whole world through one experience when you were seven. Well, you don't understand. So-and-so died, and I don't think it was the right way or the right time, and it just bothered. Stop allowing circumstantial evidence to block you from what you were created to do today. You're not God. You're not going to figure it out. Your childhood trauma is still calling the shots in your new home. You grew up, you moved out, and it's still the same way it was. Shift your thinking. This is maturity. You don't understand. My dad taught me everything like this, and this is what the Bible says, and you preach bad theology. Why in the world? (laughs) How did his life end up? Where was he at the age of 50? I'm serious. Follow the fruit, man. Well, I disagree. Then you're disagreeing. Come on, shift your thinking. Change the way you are ingrained to perceive the world, ingrained to perceive other people and places, even church. Well, the church hurt me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Perception is everything. You come into church already hurt, already defensive, ready to block all the bad things that have happened in your past, and these people are controlling you, and they're not even here. These perceptions are controlling you. It's immature to take baggage and project it on other people. Well, it's just the way I protect myself. How's that going for you? It's the way I ensure it never happens again. How does finding the exact thing that happened to you everywhere you go ensure that it doesn't happen again? What you look for is drawn to you. All men are dogs. I'll prove it. Here, 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 and here. Stop it. You're finding all the way. What are you drawing in? All the dogs. You're going to get what you go for. What you're looking for. This is immaturity. That's why you marry the same kind of man after the same kind of man, and you date the same kind of person. It's like all these people are like this. No, they're not. There's something in you that won't mature to develop and to become a different set of reality circumstance, to receive an inheritance that you know is not just better than you thought it was, it's out of your league better than you thought it was. That's what the grace, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than I could have ever imagined, and it's not hyperbole, it's reality. Change the way you're ingrained to perceive the world, perceive people, perceive church, perceive father figures, perceive men, perceive women. Well, you don't understand the way it was, the way it felt, the way it impacted me, the way it cut to my core as a child. You don't understand, Pastor Nate. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're right. I don't understand. I never want to understand. I'm a steward. I'm a guardian. This is what they sound like. I don't want to relate to your brokenness. Well, well, I have so many excuses at my core. Get rid of them. Mature beyond your core. 
because there's life to the fullest out there. And it's waiting for you to step into a new reality. And I'm begging you, shift your understanding, not because I hate you, not because I'm judging you, not because something bad happened and I don't care. I actually care enough to help you out of it. This is what a real steward sounds like. They say, I hear your excuses. I hear your reality. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I love you. Now can we grow? I love you. Now can we mature? I love you. Now will that define you for the rest of your life's destiny? Or will you drop it and move forward? They've already controlled this much of your life. How about you practice forgiveness and be free and say you have no more control, no more authority, no more power over me. I am founded on the reality that I choose in Christ Jesus. It's a true freedom. It's life to the fullest. And it's not built around my baggage. Woo, Pastor Preach. You need somebody that loves you enough. I would say all the people who listen to your excuses and your whining, they don't love you. They're not your friends, and they are definitely not your guardians, because you can live locked up forever in an immature nephew state, and it's the worst reality. You know why I'm talking about this? Because I don't want you to live miserable as a Christian for the rest of your life when your Father in heaven has good things in store for you, great things in store for you that go beyond harvest and sowing and receiving, and it's inheritance that gets beyond anything you could do, think, or imagine to earn, deserve, or try to make it happen. He has it for you, but you got to mature. Maturity is your best friend. It's not in the Bible study. I, I doubt it's in the Bible study. Unless you're addressing the way you think, the way you speak, and the way you perceive, which most of the time, it's not about that at the Bible study. Well, if I knew more, how, how is that going for you? <laughs> Put it into practice. Begging you to shift your understanding. I understood as a child, I spoke as a child, and I thought as a child. He's so mad. He's so angry. No, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm passionate about your freedom. I'm burdened for your blessing to not break you when you receive it. There was a younger son. He received the inheritance before he was ready to receive it. And the father said, what was meant to bless you is now going to break you. And you're going to live a broken, dysfunctional, meaningless, purposeless life until you come back to your reality as a mature son. Why would I want anybody to go through that hell when they can live free right now and get ready for their inheritance so that when it comes, it's a blessing, not a burden? When it comes, I can handle it and work it, and it doesn't break me. When I became adult, he says, I put away those paradigms. I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became an adult, I put away those mm, parasitic paradigms. I created a new reality in Christ Jesus. Don't you know that in Christ, come on, this is reality? All the old things have passed away. The dead has died for real. And I become a new life, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that dysfunction from my past no longer dictates or determines my future's destiny. Dysfunction is dead in Jesus' name. Why? Because I'm becoming a new creation. It's maturity that qualifies you for inheritance from your father. And a good steward will watch the way they speak. They won't just say what they feel. They'll watch what they say. They won't just say what they think. They'll think about what they're thinking about. And they will change their perception. I'm ingrained this way. I'm going to shift and perceive differently here. So we have a well-to-do father. I want to tell you, your father is loaded with every richly rich thing in inheritance. I mean, he has everything, and he is good at being God. He knows the things. The Bible says, I know the things I have for you. They're good, not evil. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could fully comprehend the good things that I have in store for you. He said, test me in this, and I will open up the windows of heaven. I'm looking for an excuse to pour out a blessing on you, baby. He says, I got a well-to-do father who is very generous, and he's good at being God. Nothing wrong with my father, and there's nothing wrong with his estate. He has a prearranged blessing for me. It's coming to you, and it's coming to me. This is good news. 
It's been marked for a specific time of maturity, and it will be released when I mature. It's not a harvest, so it will not come and go with the seasons and the changing. It will come to stay through every season of my life. If it's hard, I'll be favored. If it's dry, I'll be favored. If it's high, I'll be favored. If it's good, I'll be favored. If it's bad, I'll be favored. This is a mature state that never leaves you. And it'll be my possession forever. Why? Because it belongs to me. It's my father's gift to me. It's so much better than harvest. It's inheritance. But it's locked up under guardians and stewards. So if it's in my inheritance and it's locked up under other people, this is a good question. How do I unlock it? And I want to tell you, here's the point where we tend to manipulate our moves. Instead of making mature moves, we try to make manipulative moves. Because if you hold the key to my destiny and I manipulate you, I get what I want and I get what I get coming to me because you release that blessing in my life. Doesn't work. You can't be mature and manipulative at the same time. So you can manipulate men all you want. You can manipulate people all you want to get your inheritance because they're their guardians and their stewards. And guess what? You're going to be stuck, baby. Like, I'm doing everything right and nothing's moving in my life. Well, you're not making the right moves because you can't pretend to be mature. You can't manipulate maturity into your life. So how do I unlock it? For real, for real. And not make it all about the men or the women that are speaking into my destiny and unlocking me. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, here's the answer. Do it wholeheartedly, catch this, as unto the Lord and not to men. So take action, do something, make a move, but don't do it for people, do it for God. Do it as unto the Lord. Well, I'm not going to serve that church anymore. You know, they're just not appreciative of my gifts, my callings, and the world doesn't seem to revolve around me. So I'm done serving. Well, you're doing it for the wrong people. That's called man-pleasing or women-pleasing. You want people's eyes to see your works and see you and so that you get pedestaled. See, I'm going to serve people whether anybody writes me a sweet message after this, pats me on the back, or sends me a card, or hate mail, by the way. Because you see, my preparation and my passion is not determined by whether anybody tells me thank you or not. That's not why we do serving as unto the Lord. And I want you to catch this differentiation right here. This is why I'm so bold. This is why I'm not worried about what I say to you as much as I probably could be or should be according to everybody's standards. Because while I'm preparing for people, people are important. I'm not serving as unto people. So I care more about what God thinks than what people think. So I'm going to serve the people, but I'm thinking of him and what he's asking me to do and say and move. His presence is my priority. His words are life to me. He holds the words of life. I can't go anywhere from his presence. I can't flee. I can't get away from this. I'm accountable to him. So I'm talking about what God gave me and stewarding it to people, but as unto the Lord. Are you catching that? So it's to people, but it's to the Lord. So if God gives me the opportunity to serve you, I'm going to serve as if, I'm going to serve you as if I was serving him. We always do those imaginary things. Imagine if the president of the United States came in. How would you shake his hand? What would you do with the door? What would you do here? What would you do there? Okay, imagine if Jesus walked in. What are you serving people as if, like as? I'm going to serve you as if I were serving the king of kings, the Lord above lords, the president of all the presidents. So when you walked in the door, you know what? I saw hundreds of people walking in the door this morning already. I see you, but I see Jesus because I get to serve you as unto the Lord. That sounds crazy. You're talking crazy talk. No, I see people and opportunities that he puts in front of me as a way to please him and serve him more than you and yours. And I wanted you to catch this little thing. Like and as are similes. You're not Jesus, but I'm preaching as if I were preaching to Jesus. This is the best I got. Uh, and I'm saying it not to like, oh, great job, wonderful pastor. No, I'm saying this is best I got up to this place of maturity. I'm going to give Jesus my very best, and you are also going to get my very best with my very best all my heart because I believe preparation paired with passion is powerful. Well, we should just let the Holy Spirit lead us today. You mean not prepare? Because God can't move past preparation? You know how many things I'm saying to you that aren't prepared? You know what I'm saying? that aren't in front of me, 
Because God is still able to move, but he needs you to prepare, and he needs you to be passionate. Because preparation paired with passion is a super powerful place for God to move with his presence. I'm excited about it. Why do you prepare? As unto the Lord. Why are you passionate? As unto the Lord. Where's the power? As unto the Lord. Where's the glory? As unto the Lord. When you serve the house, you don't serve because of the person in front of you, I hope. Or because you want the person you're working with to think higher of you. Because here's the catch. If you serve the person alone, you're not going to serve as well. I would serve Jesus, if he were in the room, a lot better than I would serve you. So it doesn't matter what I think about people. The value is there because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. There's high value there. And you're not going to serve as long. I'm so burnt out. Who are you serving? Because when you serve Jesus, you burn bright. You never burn out. If you're doing it for Jesus, it's like, what? People's response does not help you or hurt you. If I'm giving my very best as unto the Lord and you don't like it, it's not for you. And that's okay. If you like it, it's for you. Wonderful. But I'm really giving my very best as unto the Lord, so I can't be offended. This is called maturity. When people don't like me. Because the root underneath the root is serving Jesus. I'm not here to serve men and please men. I'm here to serve my father and please my father because he holds the keys to my inheritance and my reality needs to match his promises. And so I'm connecting these dots no matter what. If you like it or not, I'm going with Jesus. You're not serving very long unless you're serving as unto the Lord. There's this verse in the Bible. Serve the Lord with gladness. They're so fake at that church. They're always smiling. I'm not serving people with my smile. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's hard to be glad and frown at the same time. Well, you're so passionate. It's, it's, that's the way I am. I apologize for my passion. No, I don't. It's just like, I can't not be me. But I'm serving him. You guys catching it? We're, we're catching the point. The point is, serve the Lord with gladness. That's a command. It's not an option. So any church that's keeping it real with their frowns and their bad attitudes, <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't want to be there. I want to be around people who make a decision to serve people, not out of plastic Barbie smiles, but out of purpose-filled, intentional smiles, and say, you are welcome here. I love you. I'm serving you. I'm also serving the Lord. It's so fake. It's so pathetic. No, 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 honey. You don't understand what maturity looks like. Maturity is choosing your face. Maturity is choosing your own attitude. You know how many attitudes I could have right now? Bad ones, side ones, sideways ones, sour ones, happy ones. Attitudes are choice. Not based on circumstance. That's maturity. To realize I can choose my own attitude. Only a good attitude pleases God. And I can actually affect other people's reality when I choose a good attitude. Well, it's so mature. It's so, um, it's so what's that called? It's so nephiosish. No, no, no. That's called maturity. You know what's immature? Not serving at all. You know what's immature? <laughs> Having a bad attitude and keeping it real. That is the definition, perception, thought, and speech of immaturity. Well, I, I admire those people who are so real. Stop it. Because you're going to become like what you think is really cool. I like people who go through hell and experience something called victory in Jesus, and they even though go through hell, they aren't like just hiding stuff or embarrassing about stuff. No, they're like walking in victory with a smile on their dial saying, I am more than a conqueror through Christ, and you don't know what went through my week this week, but guess what? I'm choosing a good attitude. I'm perceiving right. I'm thinking right, and you're going to catch me speaking right because I'm set up for an inheritance from my father, and this is all just a big to get to that. It's a big, big thing. So what's servant to the Lord? Everything your hand finds to do, the Bible says this, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. Now this next verse, I don't think many people connect to what we're talking about here. Verse 24, knowing. Everybody say knowing. knowing. I'm seating people, knowing. I'm hosting people, knowing. I'm working with kids, knowing. I am running cameras and switchers, knowing. I'm coming into Tackle Tuesday, knowing. I'm here serving people in our food pantry, knowing. I'm in my workplace, knowing. I'm with my family, knowing. I'm in the grocery store, knowing. Wherever I go, I'm knowing that when I'm serving people, I'm confident, I'm fully persuaded, I'm not hoping, I know that from the Lord, not from the person who's leading the team, 
but from the Lord. Not from the team of people around me who think I'm really cool and sacrificial, but from the Lord. Knowing from the Lord, you will receive the reward of what? Help me read that verse. You will receive the reward of your? Whoa! You just connected, the Bible just connected serving the Lord with gladness, with your whole heart, everything you got as unto the Lord, with unlocking your father's inheritance. Well, I thought service was shallow. That's what manipulated people do. That's what hype people do. That's what, let's just say it, idiots do. Serve people? That's for lesser people. Actually, it's a sign of maturity. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you must become the servant of all. Service leads to greatness. Service leads to maturity. Service leads to inheritance that you can be a blessing with. Of the inheritance, an inheritance is a prearranged blessing to be released for a specific time of maturity. How do I hit that moment? I serve people. Whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. Here again, we're not trying to take something from you by giving you opportunity to serve. We are saying this is for you. Why? So you might receive the fullness of the inheritance that God has for you. Serving under someone else's instruction, somebody you disagree with, a guardian that grates on you, right? A steward that sucks. I don't like the way they do it. If they're your steward, do it. I remember serving under leadership that I disagreed with wholeheartedly before I was pastor here. Wholeheartedly, obviously disagreed. And I served as unto the Lord. Doing things that grated on every relevant bone in my body. Are you catching what I'm saying? Serving under someone else's instruction develops me to the point of God's trust. He says, how can I, he's, he, he says, how can I trust you to serve at high levels if you can't serve at a menial level? His punchline in so many of his parables was, if you can't be faithful with somebody else's stuff, why would I ever give you your own stuff? If you won't work the gifts you do have, why would I entrust you with more stuff? Again, if I can't delegate responsibility to you, how can I delegate authority? If I can't trust you to turn on the heat in your house, how can I trust you with healing in your hands? I'm just saying, it's, like, it's simple, natural. Well, I want God to bless me, but you won't tithe off 100. Believe me, baby, you're not going to tithe off 100,000. Because he was faithful with a little. Bible is faithful with much. In Luke 19, and he was unfaithful with a little. God said, you can't give them anything and trust them. Don't give them a big thing. Of course, if they can't do little, they can't be in line for large. So some of you are waiting on God to elevate you, and he's waiting for you to be faithful with what you have so he can bless you. It's literally all I need is an excuse to bless you. Will you work what I gave you already? Knowing that, while I'm serving you, I'm unlocking my inheritance from him. While I'm serving you like you are him, and I'm unlocking my inheritance from him. And it's the same principle in the marketplace as it is in ministry. It doesn't matter. Serving people opens people's hearts. More than preaching, serving opens hearts. More than worship and music, serving opens people's hearts. In the marketplace, what makes you irresistible with a product or a service? What inclines my business to go towards you and the money to flow your direction? It's when you serve. Why will people pay $70 for a steak in this restaurant when they could get the same steak from the same butcher and the same farmer for $25 in this restaurant? In the Holiday Inn, in the Carlton Ritz, Ritz-Carlton, may have the same exact mattress. <laughs> but there's something that you get at one of those places that you're not going to get at the other of those places. And it unlocks people's resources at another level. Same mattress, same beef, but because you enjoy that level of it, it starts with an S. It's a big word called service. See, what opens hearts and leaves an impression on people, it's not just the music. It's not just the cute production. It's not the cute preacher. That's not what it is. It's the wholehearted serving of all the people. That's what opens people's hearts to the good news of Jesus. That's why we see every week here people respond to the good news. 
And people who do everything their hand finds to do with all their heart is unto the Lord, not because of politics, not because of pleasing people. It's so refreshing knowing that the Lord, from the Lord, you will receive a reward of the inheritance. Well, if you're doing it with the inheritance in mind, that's wrong. No, no, no. Jesus said, keep in mind the reward from the Lord, which unlocks your inheritance. They are the ones who make the biggest impact, those surfers, and obtain their inheritance with their shallow serving. As we wrap it up, (laughs) I want you to recognize God operates, I want to show you one more thing, out of the principle of representation. God operates out of this principle called representation. You were born and didn't even have a chance to have an experience yet in life, and already you needed Jesus. Why? Because Adam represented you. The first man represented all of mankind. You were born lost out of the principle of representation. You hadn't done a thing, and you still needed a Savior, because what Adam did represented you pre your arrival. How did you get rescued from your state of constantly coming up short, constantly missing the mark? You didn't die on a cross. You didn't pay the wage of sin, which is death. Jesus represented you. And out of that same principle, you are now saved. And on your way to heaven, you're going to have earthly blessings and heaven's reward because Jesus represented you. He went as the sacrificial lamb for you so you didn't have to. He represents your freedom, your righteousness. The Bible actually says he became your sin on the cross. When he died, your sin died. So even if you haven't made it yet, guess what? Your sin is already dead. If it's been buried under the blood of Jesus, he became that sin for you. And you're not so special that your sin is like bigger than his sacrifice. When he sinned, when he, when he killed that sin, you, all the sin died. Jesus isn't intimidated by sin. He's not sin-focused. It's not like, what sins are you committing? Come in with that guilt, shame, and condemnation. And I want you to think about how missing the mark you are. I got one time, one time I just want to go somewhere. Peter, he saw the goodness of God break his nets, almost, sink his boat. And right away, what's humanity? They say, get away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. It's the goodness of God that led him to repentance. It's the goodness of God that changes your whole perspective. Well, you just talk about the goodness of God. You don't talk about sin enough. I'm telling you, I'm not sin-focused. We're Savior-focused. It's the goodness of God that leads people to life change. Believe me, you already know you're, you're not there. I don't have to be a constant reminder of telling you how deficient you are. It doesn't help people. It doesn't serve people. Everybody knows their deficiencies. <laughs> Everybody knows they don't measure up to God's glorious standard. Now that that's over, can I show you the goodness of God, which will lead you to life change, like true life change? See, Jesus represented you, and now that same principle, you are saved, set free, and on your way to fullness. Because when, your, when Jesus died, your sin died. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no baggage. There is no bondage. You are free indeed. It's the principle of representation. Why do we bring up this tithe thing, this 10% thing? Because the tithe represents the whole. God sees if you bring 10% into his house, you brought it all to him. Even though he lets you keep 90, he says, this is a representation of your whole economy. What did Jesus say about those in desperation? He said, when you see the naked and you clothe them, you're actually clothing me. Naked people represent me. He said, when you feed the hungry, like what we do at Food Pantry every other week, You're actually not feeding people. You're feeding me. If you give a cup of water, give it in my name. It's different. It's like they're the representation in their desperation of who I am. He said, if you went to visit them in prison, you visited me. He said, you've done it unto me. Matthew 25, verse 40. He said, if you've done it to the least of these, the loserish of these, the less fortunate of these, you've done it not to them. You've done it to me. That's the principle of representation. That's why we do what we do. Every one of those people represent Jesus. I remember going to prison ministry with my uncle and Bill Herman. We would go in and we'd sing songs and we'd preach a message to the prisoners. And there's so many things we had to do in order to just get in the building with prisoners. So awkward, so challenging for me as a young guy. And all of a sudden, I just saw the value 
of these people who are free on the inside but locked up on the outside. So many hard, what the world would consider terrible people connecting to Jesus with such sincerity, such desperation. He said, if you met them in prison, you've done it to me. I see the heart of Jesus. And these hard, calloused, soft-hearted, open, free men. Just in prison in front of me. There's just something powerful about the principle of representation. Something pure about it. When you serve people that can't give you anything in return. When you wholeheartedly say, I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to make you like me. You're at the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. I'm giving you my best because you can't give anything back to me. This is only for him. What are you going to do for me out of prison? Nothing. What are you going to do for me if you can't even clothe yourself? Nothing. Wholeheartedness. I love serving people because, yes, knowing that is from the Lord, I will receive a reward that helps me in that inheritance. But my God, when you do it, there's a representation that happens that transcends your do-goodism and your image and how wonderful you are. Wow, Pastor Nate went into a prison and ministered to people, yeah, five, six years ago. Wonderful. Wow, what a man. No, 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 no. The point. These people can't do anything for you. Do you still serve them? Do you still love them? Like Jesus loves him. Jesus said, seriously, you're looking at me when you look at them. Jesus showed up in John 14 and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're like, no, we didn't, Jesus. His disciples were like, no, show us the Father. Show us the Father. Where is he? Jesus said, seriously, you're looking at him. I am the Godhead fully. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit of Christ. It lives in me. I represent him. It's the principle of representation. It's so powerful. I want you to know there is somebody in your life that has the ability to help you mature today. There is somebody that is going to help unlock your inheritance. Not just your guardian, not just your steward, but the people you're serving are all around you in your everyday, Monday through Friday, and on Sundays, and Saturdays. They're all around you, just waiting and giving you opportunity to unlock your inheritance, but you haven't recognized them yet as a representative. I want to tell you, until you recognize the representative standing in front of you, you will never become mature. But they're everywhere. The people that you know, the people that you don't know. People who hurt you, people who never talk to you. God is giving you opportunities to serve not just people, but him through people. Don't miss your moment of representation. Let everything your hand finds to do, do with all your heart as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. Come on, let's say it together. I have an inheritance. And it's ready for me at the time of my maturity. Let's declare it. I will mature in Jesus' name.